Welcome to the Move Forward Podcast with Dr. Kim Moss. We're absolutely passionate and committed to equipping believers to move forward in their life with Jesus, their careers, and their family. Each episode is designed specifically with you in mind to help you overcome the obstacles you're facing and truly move forward. We know you'll love this episode. Here's your host, Kim Moss. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the next episode of Move Forward Podcast. I'm Kim Moss. Today, we are going to start a series called Fulfilling the Call. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. This is going to be a six-part series. Part one, which will be today, I'm going to talk to you about how I got called. I'm going to tell you the story. Part two will be entitled, It's as much about the work in you as it is about the work through you. Part three, it will be entitled, Higher Means Deeper. Part four, is entitled, The Kindness of the Lord. Part five is entitled, You Made an Idol of Your Calling. And part six is called, The Lessons I've Learned Along the Way. (laughs) I hope you're going to enjoy it as much as I do. I've been looking forward to this, as I said, for quite a long time. And uh, it's something that's really been on my heart. Because in this time of the year 2020, the year of CNSA, And because we have entered into a new decade, I want to begin to help you understand how you move forward in a call. I believe we're all called. I believe every single one of us has a call of the Lord. And uh, we'll talk about that more as we move along. But today I want to talk about actually how I got called. You my story. Because if you had known me before I was called, you would have never guessed that I was called. I had no idea there was a call on my life. It wasn't a dream of mine to grow up and be a minister. As a matter of fact, I didn't know because I was a woman and because of the church that I had actually attended as a young woman, um, I didn't know that I could be called. I, I didn't know that I could be a minister. I had really no dream for it because I had no foundation for it. So when I was little... Um, I was raised in a Christian household, and we went to church on occasion, sometimes more than occasionally, but we didn't really go consistently. I can remember as a little girl going to the little Baptist church on the corner, a couple of them actually, a couple different ones um, in our town, and I always loved church, and I loved um, in particular going to Sunday school, and I I always loved that picture of Jesus on the wall. You know that dreamy one where he has that sort of silky brown hair and blue eyes and all of that? I used to stare at that a lot and think how beautiful Jesus was. Of course, we know now that he probably didn't even look like that. <laughs> but it was meaningful to me as a little kid, you know, and I used to love to go to church. But we didn't, we didn't go to church every Sunday. My parents worked long and hard hours, and uh, sometimes they were just simply too tired. The other truth of the matter was that uh, my mom used to tell me that as divorced people, because my parents were divorced when I was young and my mom remarried and then I was adopted, um, that there was sort of a stigma in the church, at least in the churches that we attended, um, because they were divorced people. And so sometimes my parents just didn't really feel completely comfortable, even though they really did believe in Jesus. I don't remember seeing my parents read the Bible every day or any of that kind of thing, 
Um, but you know, they didn't drink and they didn't cuss and they didn't, they didn't, uh, you know, sin a lot, <laughs> I should say. <laughs> it seemed that way to me as a kid. They were hardworking people and they were good parents. Anyway, I grew up and uh, in, in a household like that. And when I was around 13 years old, something like that, I had been invited to a Baptist revival youth meeting. And I remember going to this big white church and, uh, and sitting up on the upper balcony upstairs and hearing a preacher rant and rave about uh, our sin and Jesus and how he saved us. And I remember feeling just a burning in my chest and coming to tears, and I just was crying. And in those days, you know, when they did the altar call, you didn't get to just have everybody close their eyes and not see you and raise your hand quietly and never be noticed. But you had to uh, go down to the front and kneel at the altar. And so sobbing all the way, I made my way downstairs and through the church and knelt at the altar and... Uh, because I really wanted Jesus. And I knew that I was saved that day. I knew that I had received salvation. I knew that Jesus had come into my life. And so I began to <clears throat> read my Bible a little bit and uh, follow the Lord a little bit. But very soon after that, I uh, fell away from the Lord. So we call it falling away. You can't really fall away, but you know, I didn't follow him. And uh, I did my own thing, and I did a lot of things that um, I regret in this hour. Well, I can't say regret because Jesus has really healed me, you know. But I, I regretted then, and I knew that they weren't things that pleased the Lord. And uh, so I experimented a lot in many ways with uh, boys and a little bit of drinking and just really did my own thing. When I was about 19... Um, I had an event happen in my life that was very rejecting and uh, caused me to have a nervous breakdown. I was rejected by a boy, isn't that what happens to most of us? A boy that I was engaged to, actually, and we didn't end up getting married, and it was a very traumatic experience for me, and I was really strange for about a year. And during the course of that year, um, I would sit alone in the dark a lot in my uh, bedroom and I would just weep and weep and weep until one day I looked out the window literally and I saw that the sun was shining and cars were passing by and I had this thought. I remember having this thought thinking that oh the world is going on without me. They don't care that this has happened to me and so I got up and I went out of the house and my parents were happy because they thought I was re-entering the world, but actually I, I, the next year was a very destructive year in my life. I, did a, I really spent a year um, self-punishing and, um, and it was really a, 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 a time of just not good stuff. <laughs> and so through the course of that year, uh, I just really, I partied and uh, dated a lot and and really uh, was not anywhere near close to the Lord at all. It was at the end of that year that I met my husband, my husband Mike, and um, we were a blind date 
and I got pregnant and we got married in that order within 10 months time. Three months after we were married, I realized that my husband was an alcoholic and a drug addict and things were really bad and things went from bad to worse. At the end of three years of marriage, I had two children and, um, and Mike was smoking weed three times a day, snorting coke all weekend, getting so drunk that he didn't know where he left the car or who he'd been or where he had been the night before, uh, sleeping it off most of the weekends and then going back to work on Monday. And we were fighting a lot and it was a very uh, turbulent and, um, and uh, degrading relationship. So at the end of uh, the third year, actually it was about three and a half years in, <clears throat> toward the end of the fourth year, I just decided I couldn't take it anymore. I remember having a conversation with my dad and telling him that, you know, I know that the Lord hates divorce and I know that I haven't walked with the Lord all of this time, but now um, I know that that God is going to be so disappointed in me, but I, I have to go. I can't, I can't stay. And I, I really, at that moment, didn't expect God to ever forgive me. I didn't know that he could forgive something like that. And I, I really felt like it was the nail in the coffin, so to speak, and that it was over and done with as a relationship with God. I was so hurt and I was so rejected and I was so angry and I was so defeated and all those, all those words that you can think of <clears throat> when I left. And I left. I moved away. And uh, it was ugly and it was dark and there was a lot of fighting. And, um, and um, it was probably the darkest time in my life. And I can still feel the emotion of it. Anyway... I moved away and um, I was looking for a job and I was working two jobs at the time having like one Sunday off a month or something because Mike couldn't pay me child support at the time for my two little girls and I was dating another person and he was dating somebody and you know we were just involved in all kinds of in all kinds of ways that were uh, not conducive to a life with God or reconciliation or or uh, health, health and relationship in any sort of form or fashion. And um, I filed for divorce. And while I was looking for a job uh, one day, I met this woman. I was going to be filling in behind her, and she was leaving her job because she and her husband uh, were going to plant a vineyard church. <laughs> that meant nothing to me at the moment. And uh, because I didn't know what vineyard meant, I'd only gone to a Baptist church. I only had a Baptist theology. As far as I was concerned, every church was Baptist. I mean, it wasn't that the only religion there was. And uh, I knew very little about all of those kinds of things. They were planting a vineyard church, and she invited me to come to her house and just have coffee and talk. And so I told her the whole ugly story. And I got to tell you, this woman, wow. It was the beginning of redemption in my life, really. It was beginning of the setup for a miracle that God would do. But she didn't judge me, and she didn't condemn me, and she didn't read me all the verses that told me what a sinner I was. She was actually just kind, and she listened, and then she invited me to her church. <laughs> 
So I went for a couple of weeks and I helped set up chairs and everything. You know, it was in a high school auditorium and I don't remember anything that went on in those two Sundays, but I remember afterwards buying myself a Bible. First time I had in years and years and and I was sitting in my, my very bleak apartment. My two girls were sleeping in the back room and uh, I opened up my Bible and I heard the audible voice of God. Nothing could have prepared me for that. I didn't know that God spoke. <clears throat> I didn't know that he could speak. I didn't know that he would speak. I didn't know that he would love me enough to speak. Anyway, he said one thing. He said, if you'll go home, I'll take care of everything. And I was shocked. I was shocked by hearing the voice. It was so loud. On the outside and the inside, it filled up everything. When I got over the shock, then I was just mad. And I stood up and I was ranting and raving around the house and I was saying, don't you understand? Do you have any idea what you're asking of me? Do you have any idea how badly I was treated? Do you have any idea how hurt I am? Do you, do you not understand that he hasn't changed? And I just was yelling and screaming at him. And uh, he didn't say another thing. And I just had this knowing, you know. I just knew it was like one of those lines in the sand and I knew that I was going to either, it was a fork in the road. I was either going to go one way with the Lord and go there for the rest of my life or I was going to go the other way on my own and I would never return. I, I just knew it was that kind of moment, like a defining moment, a life gate moment. You know, they say that a person has only one to three life gate moments in their whole life, and it's a moment when the decision they make will change everything. So I went to the phone, and I called my husband, and I asked him for a date, and then we reconciled that very weekend. And I'd like to say, as I say every time I give this testimony, that I'd like to say that everything changed. Nothing changed. And for four years, nothing changed. It was hard. But I went in the strength of that audible voice, that word of the Lord, for four years. I had another baby, and I felt embarrassed many times with my family because they saw the behavior of my husband, and I knew that they were thinking, I thought she was smart. Doesn't she have any idea what's going on, and doesn't she know that another child just means more burden if she has to leave again. And I felt humiliated and I felt, I felt stupid and, uh, and it was hard. And at the end of four years, it was the night before Thanksgiving and um, I, Mike was gone all night long drinking with his friends, partying and and I was up all night long and I was laid out on my bedroom floor crying and praying all night. And saying, Lord, I can't do it anymore. I can't. Not one more day. And I prayed and I cried all night long. And in the morning when I got up, I was done. And I knew that I would leave. I would take my children and I would make a way somehow, some way, on our own. And as I was getting the kids ready for uh, Thanksgiving that morning to go see my family alone or with a, a, with a um, hungover husband one more time. 
as I was coming out the door, he was coming in and he was white-faced, pale. And he looked at me and he said, I know you're about to leave me, but I'm asking you to stay. Something has happened. And I literally put my hand in his face, said, whatever. I've heard it before a million times. I don't care. Anyway, we went to Thanksgiving and I didn't go. I, I didn't leave. And uh, it was becoming apparent something had happened. We sat down to talk about it. And when we did, he told me a story about how he was on his way home that morning and a presence filled the car. And it was the presence of the Lord and he knew it was Jesus. And, um, and he heard a voice speaking to him on the inside of him, to his heart. And he knew it was Jesus talking and he said, the Lord said to him that you're about to lose everything you've ever loved and this time I won't bring it back unless you give your life into my hands. And so he gave his life to Jesus in that moment. And in that moment, he was instantly delivered from all his drugs and alcoholism and all of his addictions. And he's never had a problem with any of that ever since. And so from that moment forward, we began to learn actually we began to heal and to recover as a family we began to we began to research and and look into you know learn what it was what it means to live like christians and like a christian family like a marriage a marriage that is christian and uh, we had to learn that because we didn't really know we started going to church we we ended up in a four square church we didn't know what that meant you know, and it was one of those churches that was seeker sensitive. And so what that meant was that like once a month on a, on a Wednesday night or something, they had what they called a believers meeting. And that was when they allowed the gifts of the Holy Spirit to move. And, um, <clears throat> and they would pray for people with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I, you know, didn't really attend those meetings in the beginning. So it was seeker sensitive. It was just like the Baptist church that I'd grown up in and it didn't seem any different really to me. And then there came the time when something, again, new happened. And someone at the church got wind of this miracle that had happened in our lives and, uh, and all the change that we've been through, all the healing and recovery, um, you know, of our lives that had happened. And um, they asked me to come and give a testimony at the women's retreat. Well, I'd never been to a women's retreat, and uh, I didn't really know if I wanted to go, but I knew that, you know, God... Um, had done this miraculous thing and he deserved all the glory. And so I wanted him to get the honor and the glory that he was due. And so uh, I decided to go to this women's retreat and give my testimony. And that actually is the beginning of the call on my life. I'd been through this miraculous moment when God shifted everything and saved my life, saved my marriage, saved my family. And for four years afterwards, we'd been recovering and learning what it meant to walk as Christians together and go to church and be part of a family. And so here I was in, uh, it was March of 1994, about to go to a women's retreat and give my testimony now, mind you, I had not heard the voice of the Lord since that first time. It had been eight years now, eight years before that I heard the voice of the Lord and the Lord told me to go home and my marriage was saved. And then it was four years before that my husband had heard 
the voice of the Lord, and he was healed from all of his addictions. He was delivered suddenly and completely. And now we had been walking together and we were going to this four square church. And I'm going to end there for today. And I'll pick this back up again next time when we listen. But what I want to do right now is that, you know, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. If he did it for me, he can do it for you. Right now, if you have an issue in your marriage, I just ask you to apply this testimony. And Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, I speak healing and deliverance over that marriage right now in Jesus' name. Whether it is the wife or the husband, God, who's caught up in addiction, whether it is the wife or the husband, God, who is does not know you, Lord God, and is unsaved in the marriage. In Jesus' name, I invite you, Holy Spirit, to bring that wife or husband to salvation to heal them, to deliver them from their addictive behaviors, Lord God, to heal the marriage, to heal that family. God, you did it for me, and I'm asking you to do it for them in Jesus' name. And then if you are the one instead who has heard a word of the Lord and you've been hanging on to it for so long and you haven't seen it come to pass, and you've gone in the strength of that word until now you're at that point where you feel like you can't go on anymore, I'm asking you not to give up in Jesus' name. And I pray over you right now for a refreshing and a strengthening and that you would continue on in the word of the Lord until you see the fulfillment of that word. And I quote over you the scripture that God gave me in this moment of time. At that very moment in time when he also called me, Hebrews 10, 35 to 39 is my life scripture. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence. Your confidence is a bold, believing trust in the Lord and what he has said and who he is. Do not throw away your confidence for it has a rich reward. You have need of endurance so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what is promised and he who is coming will come. He will not delay. And my righteous ones, they live by faith. And if you shrink back, he will not be pleased. But you're not those who shrink back. You are one who believes to the fulfillment of the promise right now receives strength to endure to the fulfillment of that promise. And I bless you and I bless your marriages and I bless the word of the Lord that is over your lives in the name of Jesus. Amen. And so we'll see you next time. When we talk again about fulfilling the call and I finish my story and I tell you about the calling part of my story, I'll see you then. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Move Forward podcast. We'd love it if you would take a moment to subscribe and rate this podcast, then share it with a friend. Subscribing gets you every new episode automatically downloaded to your device. For more information and resources from Kim, visit our website at kimmoss.com.